This episode of Talk Central is brought to you by Pinnacle, Africa's top ICT distribution business, delivering the exceptional every time. I'm Richard Verberg. And I'm Duncan McLeod. This is Talk Central, episode 229, for the week starting 5 August 2018. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central. WhatsApp the show on 71 On Talk Central this week, Apple is a trillion-dollar company. And a look ahead at the next iPhone. Also this week, Huawei overtakes Apple to become the world's second-largest smartphone maker. Liquid Telecom looks to unlock its Spectrum assets in South Africa. And a new foot-long camera lens that will give you a bug's-eye view of the world. <laughs> Talk about a close-up. Eh? It's Sunday. It's 1 p.m. We're live and live at techcentral.co.za, and it's time to talk everything technology. Well, welcome to the show. How's it, Rehart? How's it, Duncan? Very good, thanks. Welcome back to the studio. Mm. Uh, you have a show house tonight, today, so uh, I thought you'd pop into the studio. And uh, So welcome. And, Thank you. Uh, what do you think of that beer that you're drinking, by the way? I'm surprised. Um, for the price you said you paid for it, um, it's an input. It's a pretty easy drinking beer. Um, it's very nice, yeah. It's, I would uh, never buy it seeing it looking at it on the shelf, to be honest with you. Yeah, it hasn't got the greatest label, does it? It's um, imported from Germany, Eichbaum Red Beer, and it's actually quite not bad. It's very smooth. Very, it's very easy drinking, it's yeah. A, it's cheaper than local beer at, at uh, Checkers. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll do some research into it. I saw, saw one or two things online about it. Mm. Um, doesn't I mean, it just seems like it's a, a general kind of export beer for them. Yeah. Which is, yeah. I don't know how they get it so cheap, but it's, uh, it's quite is nice. Is there really such a thing as bad beer, except when you look at lagers? Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, depending on some of the we stuff. We won't get into yeah, that. Let's not go there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's so uh, not be a central. Let's tech central. Talk, talk central. So let's talk. Uh, let's talk tech. But before we get into the week's news, let's do our quiz. The first question: FNB announced this week that its clients can use which two company smartwatches to tap and pay at a point of sale. MTN has reportedly been forced to dial back plans to roll out fiber to the home in which country? Third question, Julian Assange is reportedly getting ready to leave the Ecuadorian embassy in London. How many years has he been hold, uh, held up there? And uh, the fourth question, Apple this week became the first U.S. company with a market value of a trillion dollars. Hmm. But it's not the first company in the world to reach this milestone. Which company got there first? And the final question, Huawei has overtaken Apple to be the world's second largest supplier of smartphones. Samsung is still in first place, but who occupies fourth and fifth places respectively? As always, we'll get to the answers to the quiz at the end of the show. Just a reminder, you can send us WhatsApps, leave either live on air or uh, during the week when you're listening to the podcast. The number to use is 071 That's 071 We'd love to get your feedback on the show, so please keep them coming. Especially if they're voice notes, we can play them back on air. But let's dive straight into this week's news, Rechat, and... Uh, Apple, now a trillion-dollar market valuation. I know we've spoken about this uh, on a number of occasions in this podcast in the past, and my prediction, now proved wrong, was that Amazon was going to beat Apple to it. But uh, Apple's made it. We should have put some Bitcoin on that. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, a trillion dollars uh, on the back of strong quarterly results published last week, and um, I think they they topped out at about $1.02 trillion. But the upward march of Apple continues, and um, largely thanks, I think, to the iPhone as one of the most successful, if not the most successful, consumer product in history. Yeah, it's interesting. I still I don't miss the walled garden. 
Um, but yeah, that's just my two cents. You're, you're, out, you're out of the Apple world now, right? Yeah, yeah pretty much, apart yeah. from an iPad. Yeah. But isn't it incredible? I mean, I think I think in a few years' time, a trillion dollars is going to be you know, probably the top ten businesses are all going to have capped that. Mm. I guess it's it's also the evolution of uh, economics. You know, money just I guess doesn't mean as much as what it used to. <laughs> <laughs> just put a few zeros at the end of it. <laughs> a trillion dollars. It's quite uh, it's quite remarkable. Um, of course, they're not the first uh, company to get there. Um, a Chinese company called PetroChina, back all the way back in 2007, achieved a market cap of a trillion dollars. Uh, it only did so very briefly, though, and uh, then collapsed um, all the way down to, I think, something like $200 billion. Still a lot of money. That's but, a big drop. Wow. But it's a hell of a drop. Um, but Apple's not the first. But they are the first U.S. company to get there and the first technology company to get there. And what makes it so in- interesting for me is, I mean, it's a premium product. You know, this isn't something for the ev- – well, I guess more people own it now. But it's not, it, it, it's not really kind of the every man, everyday man's brand, if you think about it. It's just too expensive. I mean, people can, can buy it in various ways now, like paying it off and that kind of thing. But it just shows you. It's not about the price you sell something at. If the, yeah. if the product is there and uh, the desirability is there, yeah. and I'd, I've never been able to fault Apple on, on most of their products. I mean, their stuff works. Mm. The only thing I've recently been able to fault them on is the lack of a headphone jack in mm. in the in the iPhone. And the rumor is that the new iPads are also going to lose the headphone jack, and it's a, it's a big um, drawback for me. I don't want to yeah. have to carry yeah. a dongle. Um, but you're right. They're fantastic products. There's no doubt about it. They are priced as premium products because they can. Mm, mm. Um, and the price has been creeping up. The price of the iPhone has been creeping up for a long time. Um, yeah. Compared to that original, how much was the original iPhone? I think it was must have been about six or seven hundred dollars. Yeah, I remember the, the early conversations when they just got to ten grand. It was a bit, pretty big thing. And yeah, now they almost doubled that. Oh, but well, over over twenty grand. Over now. twenty. Yeah. But mm. having said that, I've recently saw a few um, sp- uh, info sheets from some of the operators. And I was surprised to see that you can get um, two generation, also the iPhone six and seven. You can get them at a pretty good price now for two, three hundred bucks on a contract. You can get one of those iPhones. Yeah, um, and they're, but they're which, quite dated in terms of the hardware. Well, I mean, I was looking at them simply because I wanted to, uh, you know, if I was just looking around, my contract's coming to an end. I'm not going to upgrade, but I was just seeing what if, what if, uh, what are the options? And I also wanted to stick with the 3.5 mil headphone jack. So looking at that generation, and to be honest with you, that that iPhone generation is still more than sufficient for yeah. what most people need. Yeah, no, indeed. But yeah, I decided not to go with that. Yeah, yeah, you went to Android. Yeah, for no contract, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, yeah, I mean, one of the most successful companies in history, there's no doubt about it. Whatever you think mm. of the company's products and their pricing strategy, and a lot of people complain about the Apple tax, um, the fact is they've been able to charge those prices and people continue to buy these products. Um, you don't see the iPhone so much here in South Africa. I mean, this is very much an Android market, as all developing markets are. But you go to the States and it's just iPhone wall to wall, particularly mm. on the east and west coasts of America. Well, you say that. I'm surprised that a lot of people have got iPhone Xs. I, I see it around and I see so many people. I cannot, not everybody, but I see a lot of people and, and young-ish people mm-hmm. carry around that expensive phone. Now, that obviously tells you that getting ac- having getting access to these devices isn't as difficult with contracts these days. Yeah. But it's a grand and a half price that you pay for it over two years. It's a very aspirational it well product. Over. Yeah. It's a very aspirational Um, Many people just want the device because it's got that Apple logo on it. Mm. Um, And also, they, I mean, let's not forget, they did kind of make apps what they are today. You know, smartphones before. Apple, the uh, the Apple Store and the appification of software on a mobile device really spurred up an entire industry. Yeah. 
um, before that, smartphones were just kind of, they were trying to find their own way, yeah. really. Yeah. There's been lots of talk, of course, that Apple has become a one-product company, that this uh, iPhone is responsible for the vast majority of their revenues today. Of course, they've got huge businesses in things like iPad, Mac computers, um, which includes mm. desktops and laptops. Mm. Uh, they've got their smartwatch business. These are all significant businesses, but uh, the iPhone still makes up the bulk of their business. It's been such a singularly successful product. And the question is, uh, can they repeat it at some point? And um, certainly the, some of the analysis that was coming out this week about how um, how Apple, how Tim Cook, the CEO, is trying to do that, points to the next major revenue stream being not so much a new product category, but um, building a, a large services ecosystem around the mm. iPhone. Mm. So things like Apple Music, App Store, mm. uh, you know, there's tons of things that they're building um, th- uh, uh, around the iPhone, um, w- whether that's ever going to reach the same sort of size as simply selling the iPhone hardware, it's difficult to know. Yeah. But they are they are definitely intently focused on that. Uh, I think replicating the success of something like iPhone is is almost impossible. Look, they can certainly build it, and 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 I guess how do you again? I ask the question: How do you improve a, a square square shape with a screen on it? But uh, you know, if you if if you do look at what they've been able to achieve with what you've mentioned now, the App Store, the ecosystem. I mean, it's kind of they've put the benchmark up there for what handheld tech is about. Mm-hmm. Where they have dropped the ball quite significantly, in my opinion, is on their desktop and PC market. Now, you know, until recently, I was a big MacBook fan. I just couldn't get what was in. Where do I go from the MacBook that I had? It was a 2015 model, I think it was. But the the current high-end models was either way too expensive, in my opinion, overpriced for what you get. I mean, you can get an equivalent PC that can do a lot more in terms of functionality. And it shouldn't have been the case. You know, Apple was always the guys that you go to for high-end video editing. Mm. If you wanted something, I mean, they, you, you can't. I, I do like their, their, their design, their shape. But again, because they're not, not innovating on that, in, I guess, in the right ways, the current models have suffered from some heat issues. Now, they updated it from some software, but it just shows you that there was an underlying issue to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really want them to really – I want to see them doing something new in that range um, in, the, in the desktop notebook kind yeah. of market. But it shows you that mobile is where I think everything is going and where their attention is clearly lying. Is there any reason to buy a MacBook over a Windows PC these days? I mean, Windows 10 mm-hmm. is a very good operating system, especially since all the updates that have come out. Yeah. You can get all the – even if you're creative, which is the market that these machines typically targeted in the past, you, you now get the full functioning Adobe Suite, for example, mm-hmm. running on Windows just as it does on Mac. Um, you you know, Office is, was always a poor second cousin on Mac. I think it's caught up a lot. I don't mm-hmm. think it's quite there yet. But, uh, um, you know, the, 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 the apps you can get on, on Mac and Windows are, are fairly similar. But – by the same token, there's more you can get on Windows than you can get on Mac. Oh yeah, oh, you can yeah. do you can do gaming on Windows, which is very limited on Mac. Mm. Um, so you know why beyond the brand and the perception of quality would you consider um, a MacBook over, say, a high-end uh, Windows-based Dell or um, Lenovo? I don't think there's any reason to. And I I actually recently made that switch from from. You know, I mean, from being everything Apple-based to now having a desktop machine, a, a notebook that is a Windows-based, and obviously Android. There is no. I, I was I was very afraid of switching back to Windows on a full-time basis. I was I was on the desktop for a while with Windows 10, you know, playing games and stuff, and it was it was fine. I mean, I didn't really delve into much of Windows then. I was it was just a single serving machine. Mm. But now that my notebook, I'm on a Windows-based notebook again, and I really have to kind of entrench everything that I do on a Windows environment. 
I'm asking myself a question again, like why why is an Apple environment so enticing and so so appealing to so many people? There isn't really much there behind. I mean, it works well, and uh, if I can afford, I would much rather buy my mom, for example, a MacBook or iPad rather than a Windows-based machine. I just think that you know, in certain cases, Apple makes a lot of sense. You know, they really do certain things really well. But for everybody else, and for those of us that are really into technology. Yeah, it's difficult to 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 go, especially when prices in, in in coming into the fact. It's very difficult to justify MacBook, mm. and that's why I couldn't upgrade to a MacBook again. That's why I went back to. Yeah. I get more bang for my buck on a Windows machine, and yeah. that's really where it matters. Give me a better graphics card. Give me thirty thirty two gigs of memory rather than just a sixteen. You know, yeah. there's yeah. there's a lot of factors there. I'd, I'd I'd be more inclined to buy a MacBook than I must say than I would be to buy an Apple desktop because that's mm. where the prices mm. are insane. Those Mac Mac Pros. Are you know difficult to upgrade, exceptionally expensive. Whereas you, you take to build a high end machine, you take fifty thousand rand for example, um, you can build a top spec PC for that price. Um, but in the Apple universe, you look at the Mac Pro, you're probably paying twenty, thirty k more than that for a base model. Um, but does it does it really make any sense anymore? No, and this is where you know I've, I struggle with the concept of like consumerism and people driven to buy stuff that they don't need or don't need to afford. You know, and again, yeah. this is where if you're just an educated consumer looking at and, and I was specking out my my desktop machine the other day, came to about thirty grand just for the for the box, thirty gig, thirty two gigs of RAM, Core i five, ten seventy graphics card. I mean, it's got everything you need. It, it's not high end; it's kind of mid to high, but an equivalent Mac. Uh, equivalent desktop Mac, uh, iMac or whatever mm. would be fifty grand in that department, mm. yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and you can't upgrade it from there. Um, and that's the other thing, you know. With a desktop, you'd expect at least some level of upgradability. It's form, where, over, form over function in the exactly. Apple world. Yeah. Where Apple has got it right with their notebooks, and I'll, I'll always love it for that. And that's why, I, you know, that's why I do love the MacBook platform. Mm. Is that those things last? You know, a, a MacBook, a MacBook could last, could outlast a PC probably by two years. I would, I would argue, because it's of the operating system and kind of the wall garden, because they look after the the older hardware. Mm. Whereas you can probably argue that a PC, you know, five years old won't run as well as a MacBook, and that's been in my experience with with all my Macs, because I've only bought in my lifetime, I think, about two Mac, two or three Macs, because they just last so mm. long. Um, well, you do know, in the Windows world, that every few years you have to. Reformat your hard drive and reinstall Windows to get the performance back. No, for sure. I, and, I, and with Mac, I did the same thing because everything gets kind of bloated. That does it on Mac um, too, does it? Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't. It doesn't show itself as as well. Not as apparent as what Windows is, but Windows 10 is fantastic. I mean, it's very little wrong with this yeah. operating system, apart from some of the stuff that they install by default, all this game that came up in the start menu. So the yeah, first yeah. thing I do when I install Windows is uninstall a lot of that stuff it comes with. I wish they would get rid of the start menu. I know there was such an outcry with Windows 8 when they got rid of the start menu, but uh, I don't use it at all. I use it. It it it, it frees up my um, taskbar because at the moment oh. my taskbar gets full with a lot of icons. Yeah, uh, I, I, I use it for a lot of shortcuts. I've got maybe twelve icons in my taskbar, and I find that's more than adequate. And if I need an app, I just click the search icon, type a name, hit enter. True, true. Yeah, I don't need to start the the start. But button. again, why was it such an outcry when they removed it? People weren't ready. It was too soon. Maybe. People don't like. But change. why don't you give you the option just to switch it off? I, I guess. wish I could switch it off. Yeah, I, I actually hope that in a future Windows Ten update, they give you the option to switch off the start menu because. I'd rather just have the little search icon there rather than the, the Windows flag. I'm actually surprised Windows, I mean, any operating system hasn't gotten to that level of customizability yet. I mean, customizing a user interface, once you've got the 
the, the operating system, the kernel, and everything running. It, yeah. It's a very relatively easy thing. Give us give us a base of options that we can customize, remove. I mean, it's still there, right? You just don't mm. have it on your user interface. Yeah. Maybe it's because they sell ads into the start menu. Maybe that's the real reason. Mm, maybe. <laughs> no. No, I mean, have you seen the rubbish they put in the start menu? It's uh, that's part of the stuff. Actually, I've cleaned mine up, so you can't yeah, see. I've also it removed it. some of the stuff, but that's yeah. where all the all those uh, games and stuff. Like, why would they install Candy Crush on it's my machine? Because they paid to put it there. And nobody out, but people get upset about uh, Internet Explorer being bundled on every <laughs> <laughs> with every machine and not the the games. Yeah. Actually, I quite like Edge while you're talking about Internet Explorer. Uh, I don't like Internet Explorer, which is still bundled with Windows 10. It's outdated, horrible software. But um, Edge is actually quite a good browser. Um, I'm using it to run Netflix on my TV now. Yeah, I must actually play with it. I mean, Windows does. That's quite. The, that's one thing that's pretty funny about using Windows again. It tells me at every opportunity it can yeah. that it wants me to use <laughs> Edge. Yeah. But Google, Google does the same thing. If you go to any Google site using a non-Chrome browser, you're going to see this message flagged across the site saying, you should be using Chrome because of this and this reason. Mm. Download it here. Look, I'm still a big fan of Chrome. I still have it running with everything, and mm. uh, I love, it. I, love oh, it. I haven't used Chrome. I use Chrome on my Android phone, but I have stopped using it completely on my on my uh, desktop and my laptop. Um, I've, as you know, I've, I've gone mm-hmm. for Vivaldi, which is mm-hmm. based on the Chromium engine. Um, and I just like the customization of, of Vivaldi. Um, they still haven't got the sync quite right yet, uh, but uh, every other aspect of it is fantastic. Chrome, I found, was just getting, I don't know, a bit, a bit flaky. It would crash, and um, maybe it was just my installation, but... Um, I'm, I'm, Don't give up so quickly. I'm very happy with. I'm very happy with Vivaldi. It's my. It's my. It's my default browser. But I. I mean, browsers I have here on my laptop. I'm just looking at it. I've got. Uh I don't. I don't run Firefox anymore. I got rid of that. So Vivaldi is my basic. I use. As I use Edge as a backup, and then I have Chrome as well, uh, because there are still some sites that don't work properly in non-Chrome browsers, like Google Earth. I'm looking at you, Google. <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't blame them for not working. Why would they spend effort on any other operating system? Well, they should because they should. Mi- know, Microsoft just... had a similar sort of approach. Um, and in fact, it wasn't just Microsoft. It was many web developers. They would develop for Internet Explorer only. And we had that horrible era of a few years where you'd fire up a website and it would pop up a notification saying this website only works with Microsoft Internet Explorer. Mm. Remember those days? The terrible days, yeah. Because yeah. everybody was des- designing, what was that uh, package that came with Office? Um, front page. <laughs> everybody was designing their websites in front page. <laughs> that must have been one of the most awful pieces of software ever written. Oh, that's where I learned to code HTML. It made oh, me want to go back into it, but I haven't <laughs> used it for like, 20 years. <laughs> I think they discontinued it a long time ago. Microsoft front page, that brings back nightmares. That brings back nightmares. Ah, good old memories of you know, just figuring out the internet when it was still in its infancy. Yeah, yeah. Remember Netscape Navigator? Mm. Yeah, I played with that for a while as well. It was fine, but I mean, back then, you know, browser was really a browser. It was just speed. Yeah. It was really. But today, the browser is more. It's it's so much more. If you and, and this is why the emphasis on the browser is so important. Mm. I think mm. your browser is your your window to the world. It's like your operating system that's running the internet. Yes, in a frame, in a window, and. That's why we can't afford to mess around. So I'm happy with Chrome because it does what I needed to do. It, yeah. it hasn't really crashed to me. It, it doesn't give me any issues. Touch yeah. wood. Yeah. Um, what was the first browser you ever used? Oh, it was definitely. Uh, oh, it may have been AltaVis. No, no. That was a search. That engine. was a search engine. But Nets. What was? What was the one that came bundled with those MWeb CDs? Was it Netscape? Could have been Netscape. I think it was Netscape Navigator. Okay. Yeah. 
I remember my friends had that installed when, when, when I went to their house and, you know, go do IRC and kind of explore the internet. Uh, Netscape, Netscape Navigator. Later yeah. became Netscape Communicator, but by then they'd already lost the plot um, and Microsoft was chasing hard. Uh, my first web browser was something called NCSA Mosaic. Wow. Which yeah, I think that's... was a predecessor to Netscape, if I'm not mistaken. But this was a long That was 25 years mm. ago. Um, no, that's before web browsers were really a thing, a big thing. Yeah, so that was just in the early days. That was one of the very first web browsers. Um, could have even been the first one. I don't, I don't remember. My first web browser was a DOS window, Duncan. That's our, that's our legit I am. What, text-based web? <laughs> <laughs> There was a text-based web browser back in the day, remember? Well, you would connect. I remember connecting the first, uh, for the first experience I had when I f- managed to buy like a, like a two-form modem or something, an internal modem, yeah. trying to connect to my friend's house. He's a, he also had a <laughs> PC. And then I, 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 we, we, didn't, we didn't have the internet to actually kind of look up to do what to do, right? So you mm. just try and figure out and ask people. And, and it was like connecting to somebody else's house, and then his machine would pick up. And then you would have a connection, but it was very <laughs> slow. You couldn't do much. There was nothing. I mean, you couldn't transfer anything. Music was MP3. It wasn't a thing then. Yeah, yeah. No, you're probably days. you're probably too young to remember Belltel. I know of it, but yeah, uh, I don't. Uh, uh, I used Belltel. Apart from knowing Bell telephones, I used Belltel when I was a kid. It was a telecom product, and um, well, the post offices they were known then. I think wasn't it Telnet as well? I think that I I used something later on. This is what I'm talking about. Like it was definitely there was a. Text-based plugin. Multi-choice. Mnet had something on their platform. Remember, there was some text-based service they used to broadcast with news headlines and weather and stuff, um, which was kind and of similar to Horse race results. <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. Um, but Belltel in the 1980s, um, I can't even remember what technology it used. Uh, we had it at home, and it would literally fire up a text menu. It would, it would take about half a minute for the text menu to load, download. Wow. <laughs> You'd press an option, then wait another 30 seconds for the next menu to to, to fill up the screen. Well, you had it at home. That was pretty. I mean, that was pretty impressive. I I never. I didn't know anybody who had internet connection until. It wasn't the. Oh, it wasn't the internet. Well, not the internet, but it was still connected connected services. Some right? sort of connected service. Yeah. I mean, that was way more advanced than my family ever was. Yeah. Uh, yeah my exposure. My first exposure was really getting hooked on that concept of IRC, being able to speak to anybody anywhere in the world. Oh uh, yes. That really blew my mind, yeah. and that's where, I think it was ninety five or ninety four. Yeah. Yeah, IRC is still around and going strong, actually, amazingly. Yeah, and, and we and I can't believe we were sitting like we do gaming now. We were sitting in front of our PCs chatting to people, mm-hmm. like for hours and nights and days on end. I mean, it was yeah. beyond insane. And now you still do that, but it's, you do it while, you, while yeah. you're playing games. That or, was text-based. In those early days of the internet, that's pretty much all you could do. And, and you could uh, slap people with a, a, a trot. <laughs> slap, do you remember that? Forward slash slap, and then you would slap a person and <laughs> oh, just come up baby. with a text. Rehard has slapped this person with a smelly trot. <laughs> oh, man, we've come a, we've come a long, long way. <laughs> Instead of trot, we now have chicken dinners. And now we have WhatsApp, too. Which is just the evolution of that, right? But it's yeah. more personal. Yeah. Oh, there have been so many instant messaging platforms over the years that have just uh, um, come and gone. Um, I'm trying to remember the ones I used to use. There was a um, there was a very popular one for Windows in the late 1990s, kind of before Google Talk took off. Um, I I R Q or I C Q I C Q I C Q yeah I C Q that, that was, was huge at one stage that was massive remember it had the little flower icon yes I used that too that was I haven't thought about that in years and then there was a local one or a local one developed by another company in China I think called Q Q 
Oh, no, 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 no. QQ is, is the biggest chat service in China. That's part of WeChat. No, no, but it started off. QQ started off. They marketed heavier. There was a South African band that wrote a song about it. QQ? QQ, yeah. Oh, it okay. was... They, uh, it might be an evolution of QQ now. I must actually uh, look it up. Yeah. But there was definitely a QQ in the uh, in that era. Um, and of course, there it was, was a little penguin penguin icon. Yeah, it's the same. Yeah, ten cent. Ten cent. Yeah. Maybe maybe they trialed it here, but I mean, it was mm-hmm. well, they tried to push it big. Yeah, I remember in local pop culture, it was everywhere. QQ mm-hmm. was just mm-hmm. nobody used yeah. it. I think. Yeah. <laughs> but now everybody in China is using China's it. China's using it. Yeah, and it became huge there. And of course, we had Mix It. Homegrown oh, yes. mix it, which uh, was hugely ever. successful at one point. It was very popular amongst kids, um, and it's now dead. I think BlackBerry had a big impact on that, and then of course WhatsApp. I think finished it off. Mm. Did you ever use? Uh, 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 did you ever use that? I played with it briefly, but I never used it. I never really used it, but I knew a lot of youngsters who who was, were addicted to it. I mean, they were on it all day and all night. It was a yeah, particularly on on. Um, it was it was a feature phone. Product. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a really a smartphone product. So, when the market was was um, you know Nokia's and all these sort of things, people used it on on those platforms. And then smartphones came. Then WhatsApp came, and things got a bit more flashy. Well, it addressed a very specific need, and I think it's again it's the Kodak of the era, right? It mm. addressed a need, and it just wasn't able to innovate to stay up with what the guys wanted. Yeah. And they tried to resuscitate it once or twice. I remember there was some uh, there was there was you know there were one or two relaunches where they did some cool things. Mm. But yeah, sadly. Not anymore. Yeah. No more. I don't know how we went from Apple's $1 trillion market cap to talking about um, local instant messaging software, but uh, we did. I like it when the, sh- when the conversations actually go <laughs> Secret on a segue. But let's, let's bring it back to Apple because I want to talk a little bit about their next iPhones. And there's quite a lot of – I think we pretty much know everything that's going to be in those new iPhones now. If, if you look at uh, some of the, uh, the detailed re- um, reports that have collected all the you know, analysts, I don't, uh, all the uh, rumors out there, rather, I, I don't think that Apple is really able to keep a secret ahead of a, an iPhone launch anymore, mm-hmm. not, nor is any manufacturer really. We know the uh, Note 9, which is being launched this week, we know just about everything about it. Uh, and uh, by the time the new iPhones launch, we're going to know everything about them as well. And I think we know, already know a lot. So the current rumors are there are going to be three new iPhones. Um, there's going to be a entry-level 6.1-inch uh, device. We don't know what it's going to be called yet, but it's going to have uh, – the talk is it's going to have an LCD screen of some kind, so not the OLED you find in the iPhone X. Mm-hmm. Um, and that this is really going to replace the uh, iPhone 8 and iPhone 8 Plus. So one device um, to, to kind of fit, fit, fit into that segment. Um, not going to be cheap. The rumors are around $800. Um, but it's, it looks like it's going to be a, a, a nice high-end device with the you know, latest hardware and all the rest of it inside it. Uh, and then the talk is there going to be two new iPhone devices. There's going to be a successor to the iPhone 10, which is going to once again, uh, according to the rumors, be a 5.8-inch device, um, same as the iPhone X. Uh, and then there's talk, which actually has me interested a little bit in the Apple ecosystem, again, from an iPhone really? perspective, <laughs> is the, iPhone, the rumored iPhone 10 Plus, or whatever it's going to be called, which will have a 6.5-inch OLED display uh, and will also apparently feature a very high-end um, camera setup. Uh, we don't have the detail. There's not, the rumors are a little murkier on the cam- likely camera setup of these, uh, of these next phones. Um, the rumor is that the uh, iPhone 10 successor and the iPhone 10 Plus are going to um, are both going to feature at least dual um, high-resolution cameras on the rear, 
um, which is not surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Poss- possibly even on that plus a triple camera setup, a la the Huawei P20 Pro, <laughs> um, and the 6.1 inch cheaper. And I use the word cheaper in inverted commas. Um, a 6.1 inch iPhone is likely just to have one rear rear, rear camera in order to bring the price down somewhat. Um, but it's uh, I'm actually more excited about this. Uh, um, this September's Apple keynote than I have been for a number of years. Um, the iPhone 10 was a bit of a disappointment to me. Um, I thought it was a refresh of the design of the thing, but uh, it didn't really take things forward. Yeah. I'm also kind of looking forward to the fact that um, iOS is, is not being overhauled once again um, with tons of features added to it. Rather, this is a, 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 a update that focuses on performance and battery life and reliability. Um, which is quite exciting as someone who owns a, an older generation iPad. Mm. I'm looking forward to seeing how that performs on the new iOS. Um, but I'm actually quite excited. I, th- I actually think I'm a little bit more excited about Apple's lineup this year than I have been for a while. Um, I still don't think I'm going to be buying one, but I'm going to have a close look at that iPhone 10 Plus or whatever it's called because uh, that sounds like the right size for me. Mm. Um, I like mm. big phones. Again, to me, I mean, the consumer is going to win because there's 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 a massive range of iPhones out there. I mean, we we I think I tend to forget at least that iPhone doesn't just do one device. I mean, there was for a long period iPhone just did the iPhone, right? The iPhone was the iPhone. Now there's various models, various generations worth of models, and with every new generation coming out, the the previous ones become, I guess, a bit cheaper, mm-hmm. but more affordable. And the software, in most cases, is still backwards, so they push the, the capabilities of the software to, to work on the older devices that they still sell. So you would still benefit from the new operating system. Yes. Um, so from that point of view, I'm always excited. And uh, But I'm not ready to go back to an iPhone just yet. Uh, I want to explore some more Android. But I would love to get one in my hands and play with it, without a doubt. Mm. But it's less enticing once you kind of once you open your mind <laughs> yeah. to the broader world of of other things. But you can't fa- you know, again. You can't fault. Um, there's often something I want to do with with my Android phone that just seems a little bit more tricky with an Android device. Not not that it's impossible to do or not that you can't do it. It's mm. just it's just a different way of doing it, or it's just not as straightforward. You know. The thing that really appeals to me about the iPhone is um, is the fact that you get the latest updates when they're available. That bugs the hell out of me on Android. That I have to wait for my operator or my uh, well, actually, I have to wait for my operator and this handset manufacturer to release the software yeah. before I can get it, and it takes too long. I want the software when it's ready. So you're almost a step removed from Android every time you miss out on on, on, a, on yeah. a new update, right? And it just feels like, okay, there's some things disconnected. With Apple, with iPhone, you get that. So, And again, everybody benefits from that rollout unless it's too old a device and it, you can't get the update. But that only happens with devices that's, you know, seven, eight years old. It's... I've never had a device that I can't upgrade or anything. Yeah. I usually give it away by then. Yeah, no, uh, that's absolutely right. The um, Apple supports older generation hardware much longer than Android mm-hmm. um, smartphone manufacturers. I think if you if you buy a even if you buy a high end Android phone today, you're lucky if you're going to get two years of updates. But it just seems like Android. It's got they've got the power to make it so much easier. You know why don't I, mean, I, I guess I know the answer to this because companies want to make money, but. The Android platform, if your phone can run Android, you should be able to then manage that installation yourself if you really want to do it. So for the techies of us, and which, well, which you can. a lot of people. You can root it. <laughs> no, for, yeah, I guess, I guess. But it should be a lot easier. So, yeah. you know, let me, if I know that there's an update out there, I'll, you know, I'll void my warranty or whatever, but mm. let me update it. Let mm. me get this version that I can push. I mean, you can't tell me that the settings for the operators are that complicated that I can't just download. Well, you can download a little file that will install the settings for you. Microsoft has had this right for years. You get you can get the latest versions of Windows on your machine. You just go into Windows Update. Why can't you do the same on your Android? Mm. 
I think that was the intention all along, but yeah. because of the fragmentation we get with the various and again you've seen the chart right with how many Android devices running which version. I mean, there's this colorful chart you can find online. Just Google it, and you'll see there are thousands of various devices all running various versions of Windows, all currently in the market, and mm-hmm. that's creating a obviously a problem for security. Um, people developing apps say, you know, it's difficult to develop for you know all these phones and all these devices. So it's kind of mm-hmm. trying to make something open source and giving it to the people. Then you kind of you do have this problem where. It can kind of get taken too far, I guess, right? yeah. where companies don't allow the updates. Maybe maybe the answer is for Google to push some sort of program um, where they certify devices to say that these devices are going to get the latest versions of Android within a certain period after the mm-hmm. release mm-hmm. and for a certain period of years. And they, they certify it. Put the Android uh, logo or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. Google certified on the device when you buy it, and this is guaranteeing you that you're going to get three years of updates and that when there's a major new Android release, you're going to get it within, say, a month of release or something like that. Yeah, it can all be done based on specs. I mean, we know that (laughs) smartphones are so advanced these days. You can do so much. They don't get data, generally speaking, unless there's like some fancy AR VR feature that everybody Mm -hmm. wants that you can't get. I mean, but we don't want that. Just give me best security updates. Import, Im, Im, uh, Im, uh, performance improvements is a big thing. There's mm. so many ways that the, the code gets improved, but those guys with the bare-bone smartphones don't benefit from that because they don't get yeah. those updates. Yeah, and I mean, we've spoken about it before. On, at the lower end, it's, it's actually a, a major problem because it's actually affecting poorer consumers because mm. it's poorer consumers who are more at risk of security vulnerabilities because it's those devices, those cheap mm. Androids that are not getting patched with the latest uh, software updates. Exactly. But that's unfortunately where the companies wanting to make money is the problem. We need to, yeah. we need to just educate and, and tell the people, you know, let the people talk for them. Uh, Educate them so that they can request these things, mm. request you know these services. Yeah. So from that perspective, oh, yeah. I, uh, I I do like the iPhone, but um, lack of a headphone jack and uh, the high price putting me off. But uh, maybe I'll uh, maybe this will be the year I get an Apple. Wait, no, really, I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> just just when I went off it, now we're not going to be the same again. Now I'm going to well, want someone, to go. One, one of us has to use uh, all the devices, right? <laughs> we have to have a we have to have a spread of operating systems here on. on no, fair enough. Studio. Having multiple devices is is another thing. So I mean, having one of each is is, is yeah. acceptable. Yeah. But Jana, and you know, again, looking looking just at Android and some of the custom something as simple as getting a custom ringtone, mm-hmm. you know. It is virtually, it's so difficult, virtually impossible to do it on an iPhone. You have to jump through so many hoops to mm. get a custom ringtone. Mm. And it's a silly thing. And now I've got my, the ringtone that I've always had on all my devices for the last few years, you know, I've got it back on my phone now. Mm-hmm. And because it's a simple audio file that I can play as a, as a startup. Yeah. It's that walled garden. Uh, Apple doesn't want you to tinker too much, um, which has advantages, I suppose, mm. because it, mm. uh, it makes the platform easier to use and less. But something as simple as setting break. a customer ringtone, right? I mean, yeah. that shouldn't be a, a, a non. A, that shouldn't be an issue because of World Garden yeah, security or staying within an app store. Yes, that's a, that's a good, that's, that's a good true. aspect of locking down. That's true. That's true. All right, we need to take a quick ad break. We'll be back right after this. Are you a search engine? Because you found me. I feel we have a strong connection. Well, you're pretty fly for a Wi-Fi. Should we drop it like a hot spot and head back to yours so we can show Max and snuggle? Let's get giga with it. 
Uh, but I don't have fiber. Don't get caught in 50 shades of delay. Broadband your horizons and switch to Vox's super fast, super reliable fiber network. Experience the momentum. Connect your world. Visit us at vox.co.za forward slash fiber. Bitco is revolutionizing the way businesses connect. We're taking on your connectivity challenges and shooting our high-speed fiber internet across the country. Not just for some, but for everyone. Fiber is not a luxury, but a necessity. For business, for life, for you. And being connected is everything. So network with a tier one internet provider and take your business to the next level of connectivity. Bitco.co.za. Connectivity is everything. Welcome back to the show. How's it, Rechard? How's it, Duncan? So let's let's move along. Uh, let's talk, talk about some local news now. And um, I had a fascinating interview this week with uh, Rashad Shah, who is the newly appointed CEO of Liquid Telecom South Africa. Who of course, was previously CEO of Squidnet, Squidnet, I beg your pardon, the Internet of Things company, and um, Chief Strategy Officer at Dark Fiber Africa. Now he's recently taken the reins at Liquid Telecom in South Africa, formerly Neotel. Um, and I podcast that interview. It's well worth going to have a listen to it if you haven't heard it already. Uh, but an interesting part of the discussion I had with him was around Liquid Telecom Spectrum assets. Now, they've got some interesting uh, Spectrum, which uh, other players in this market uh, I think would be quite keen to get their hands on. <laughs> and we know this already because Vodacom tried unsuccessfully to buy them specifically because of those Spectrum assets. Uh, now, they're sitting with Spectrum at 800 megahertz. They're the only operator in South Africa that is, has Spectrum in the digital dividend TV band. Um, where the broadcasters are still sitting. They use a fancy way of, I think they call it interleaving between the signals. Um, so they'll they'll um, use spectrum uh, only in areas where the broadcasters aren't using it uh, and vice versa. Um, and they've got spectrum at 1800 megahertz and at 3.5 gigahertz, which are both very good bands for deploying 4G mm. and potentially even 5G down the line. Now, they haven't really monetized these assets. They've, um, they've rolled out some LTE, um, not, not, not much at all, mainly here in Gauteng. And they've also rolled out a, many years ago, they rolled out a legacy network, uh, based on a technology called CDMA, Code Division Multiple Access, I think it stands for. It was an American, favored technology it was uh, uh, an old technology uh, the 2g technology that the um, u.s mobile networks rolled out back in the 1990s uh, but like our uh, uh, but like our 2g cellular networks with gprs added to them um, maybe a bit faster than that mm. uh, but uh, you know they, they have they only have a limited number of customers on those networks and so they've got these these assets in these three spectrum brands that they can make a very good use of now unfortunately in south africa there are tough regulations around spectrum trading so they constantly sell these assets or you know they have to be very careful about what they do with them um but they they uh, rashad shah said they're in the process of looking at potential partnerships possibly along something along the lines of what rain has done with vodacom um to to take advantage of these spectrum assets. So it can be very interesting to see what comes out of those discussions, but we should be seeing an announcement then in the not-too-distant future. So, Rechot, uh, you came across a really, really interesting story this week about a new camera lens, and I had a look at this thing. I think the story was on The Verge. Mm. Um, it, it looks weird. I've never seen a camera lens yeah, I mean, that did, looks like that. Did you ever think that we're going to get a, like a new lens design that really s- switches things up a bit? Now, this lens by manufacturers of Venus Optics... Um, it's, I can't even pronounce the name. It's the Lawa 24mm f14 2x macro probe. 
Now, this thing looks unlike any lens you've ever seen in your life. It, it basically looks like a, a long mag-like torch, if you, if you know what I'm saying. Like very it's got thin. A, yeah, it's got mm-hmm. a very thin pipe, and then obviously the end that plugs into your camera, that switches uh, into your camera, which uh, works for both Canon and Nikon, um, obviously connects to those bodies. Now, what this lens is intended to be is to give you a new perspective and kind of just change things up, especially when you're looking at close-up and macro photography. Now, because this lens is so long, it essentially allows you to get Put the lens. It, you almost think of it as a as an extension for your your lens. Your lens's glass at the end, so you can push this thing closer to a subject without the subject then feeling like you're right on top of them um, with a big camera or with a big lens. Because a lot of macro lenses aren't as long; they're quite uh, short lenses. I see you looking at the video clip there also of shooting video with this lens, where you can actually go into something like a bottle because it's a, it's quite a, a thin. A thin, a thin lens, a thin little round tube lens. You can stick it into places and get really interesting perspectives. So, yeah, I mean, from that point of view, I've, I mean, I've never seen anything like this. But uh, from the footage and from some of the demo stuff that I've seen, this is pretty impressive. Now, the company, this is this is a crowd a crowdfunding um, crowdfunding initiative. So oh, so it might not actually come. Well, they've actually got it, but they want to. If you want to buy one, I think they're just getting pre-orders in. Um, I'm just looking for the price, and it's over a thousand dollars. Fifteen hundred. Fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah, it's not the the cheapest, but again, if you're looking at some of the demo shots they've got for wildlife, um, some macro close-up shots of ants and bugs and things, and then also just the interesting video shots shooting through products. I, I see a lot of potential for something like that. It's it's really interesting. Now, if you look at the the f-stop on that, on that lens, the f14. So it's not. It, this is this is. Um, not really recommended for low light photography. It's got an LED built in the front to to kind of compensate for that um, very for that for the not so ideal aperture size. F14 is a very uh, big aperture or very small aperture at least. Sorry, so you're not going to let a lot of light in at F14 as opposed to F2, which is a really fast lens that allows you to get a lot of lot more light in much quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, and also then messes with the depth of field, so you get various uh, depth of field. But I'd imagine you'd want to be using this mainly for taking close-ups of insects and stuff. So you're probably going to be outdoors in good light. Yeah, look, that's why also, but that's why there's an LED on the front, so it doesn't even matter even at low light. If you look at those bugs that they've shot those that would be under leaves and stuff so the light there would be pretty bad right now if you combine that with you know modern cameras can shoot at a very high resolution or a very high iso without too much noise um so the combination of the two i mean it's not really a, it's not really an issue i think the the novelty of shooting with something like that outweighs that um that aperture rating yeah That's but yeah very very interesting i, I would be keen cool. to to get one of these in my in my my lens bag venus uh, optics it's waterproof um lightweight and like i said it's got two to one macro so it's you know if you can you can shoot pretty nice close-ups with that and you, you won't scare off any bugs <laughs> i don't know if i was a bug and i saw this lens coming towards me i, I think i'd scarf it pretty quickly <laughs> but it's such an unusual looking lens it's so cool we'll include a link in the show notes uh, in the show notes for that one but uh, let's let's move along to our regular features, and our winner this week is, uh, of course, Apple, first trillion dollar tech company in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, well done, uh, <laughs> hell of an achievement for a company that was basically bankrupt twenty years ago. Um, in fact, I think it was Business Week was we tweeted out a picture of their cover um, from around the late nineties when Apple was really was in a lot of trouble, and uh, it had a picture of the old Apple logo on the cover, and it said. Uh, fall of an American icon. Hmm. It was just 20 years ago, and Business Week tweeted it, tweeted the cover this week and, and captioned it, 
Oops. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's clever. Those are two covers you want to keep. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Wired Magazine had a great cover as well. Um, I don't know if you remember it. I've, I've probably got it in my office still. Um, there's a, um, it had uh, the Apple logo um, with barbed wire around it. Oh, yeah. The, I think the logo was bleeding a bit. And, um, and it just had one word underneath it, pray. Mm. Um, I've still got that wired somewhere. I must dig it out. But it shows you what a company can do if it, if, I mean, it, it, it faced a lot of criticism over the years. If you look at mm. its walled garden, I mean, just that argument alone, the way that it designs products, what it pushes on customers. I think the, the result of what we're seeing is a company that's not putting out products that customers necessarily want, what they think the technology will be relevant for those customers or yeah. the technology that they think the customers should do. Yeah. And if you look at the 3.5 minute more audio jack, yes, that's a big thing for us and one of the reasons why we won't buy products. But, they're advancing the tech. I mean, if you look at it at a technical level, there's no reason why the 3.5 mil should be there with any good wireless technology that we have. Mm-hmm. We just plugged into the kind of, the, 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 um, you know, we we still have 3.5 millimeter devices, you know, mm-hmm. in car, your headphones. So we're the legacy, not the company, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, interesting stuff. Well done, Apple. And I'll lose this week is Telcom because they had a serious problem with their systems this week. Um, if you're going to have a look at their Twitter account, uh, you can get some insight into uh, what happened there. But basically, they were offline, the whole company, their website, their um, billing systems, their their in-store systems, their call centers, everything was down. Um, I don't know if they're fully back online yet, but the whole, the, basically the whole of Telcom systems are offline for a, a good uh, I think about two days. Mm. Um, that must have cost them. That must have cost them a, a lot of money and uh, reputational damage. Um, difficult situation when you land up like this. Um, don't want to point fingers because Tech Central had a bit of a hiccup on Friday as well. Our website was down for about three or four hours. Um, that took us a while to bring it back up because of uh, some uh, rather uh, arcane technical challenges that we had on the server. But uh, mm. touch wood, it's all fixed now. Um, but uh, telecom, yeah, major operator going down for that sort of period of time uh, in a competitive market where someone can simply walk across to a uh, another cell phone shop. Mm, not great. Yeah, not great. What's your pick this week, Eric? So, Duncan, this is the, my pick is as a result of your recommendation, and it's kind of been just I've been spending so much time on this thing. I, I don't. I don't know. It's, it's become a bit of a problem. I see you typing it. Yeah, into the I'm show just notes. about to type it in so you can see it. But dying light on Steam. Um, it's a it's a game set in a post-apocalyptic world where it, you're kind of free running around a city. So it's it's kind of an open world environment in a zombie infested world. What's not to like? What's not to like? Yeah, dying light. It's available on Steam. But what a great game. I I, I don't. I'm a I'm an online player. I enjoy playing against other people. So yeah. games like PUBG and Battlefield One Online. That's kind of where I normally play GTA. That kind of thing. But Dying Light, one of the few games that really kind of piqued my interest. Not it's just got multiplayer sp- as well, right? It's got some co-op multiplayer. We haven't actually played it. We've been we've been trying to get some time to actually do that. But so I've my been, fault. I've been. <laughs> I've just been engrossed in the in the in the storyline. Um, and, and what you can do. I mean, so it's an open world, free world. You've got lots of missions. You can choose what you want to do, when you want to do it. Um, killing zombies are plenty with weapons that you build and pick up. And mm. there's played, so, so much variation to this, which is what makes it interesting. I've, I've played about an hour or two of this. Uh, unfortunately, I, I just, I've been so busy, I haven't had a chance to pick it up again. But uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed those first hour, hour or two. And the, the, the uh, killing those zombies is quite satisfying, I must say. And it gets, it gets so much more satisfying because your weapons increase and what you get exposed to. So so with each of the quests that you complete, you get blueprints that you can build new things. Mm-hmm. But the, the whole thing about the game is really about just 
looting stuff. So going around, opening crates, locking, uh, picking locks, getting weapons. You do get guns eventually. Um, but but this, I don't know what it is about this game, but it's, it's got a lot of intrigue in it. I mean, the storyline is interesting enough. It's, the graphics are great. The graphics are great, but the fact that you can run around, it's kind of parkour style where you run around buildings. Uh, you eventually get a grappling hook, um, so getting around is much easier, and then you can focus on other parts of the, mm-hmm. the storyline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's very few games that's really kind of caught my attention like this. And Dying Light 2 is coming out uh, at some point. I don't know when, but the trailer is out. And that's looking even better. So it's it's nice to kind of get in on the first one, get get the story storyline going, and really enjoying. This is what gaming is about: just sitting down and playing a few hours of really enjoyable, whatever it is. In this case, zombie smashing. Yeah. <laughs> and there are so many ways to kill zombies. It's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> so dying light, well worth checking out. I got it on Steam at a special. I got it for one seventy. It's now about four hundred and forty rand. Wow, that was a good special. That was a very good special. Mm. Um, so while we're checking out, there is some um, you, you can get some add-ons as well. I haven't even touched the the the, the add-ons. I'm still playing the original base game. Um, but yeah, I don't think you'll get bored if you like gaming and zombies. Um, this is definitely one to check out. Great stuff, and I will join you for some of that co-op at some point in the not too distant future. You better, yeah, you better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my pick this week again, uh, photography photography related. Um, I've picked an app called Mirror Lab for Android. Uh, sorry, iOS users, there is no iOS version from what I can tell. Uh, but Mirror Lab for Android, it's pretty cool. It's a, it's it's kind of one of these um, uh, photo touch-up apps, but it lets you do all sorts of cool things, um, cool effects. Uh, it's a bit difficult to describe, but it's, it's very powerful. It's much more powerful than the sort of touch-up you get in Instagram, for example. You can really turn your photographs into pieces of art um, using the pre-built filters. You can also... Um, um, Create, create your own custom presets and you can do some pretty uh, pretty radical things with it for example i took a picture of a bird the other day uh, i took some pictures uh, um, at a nature reserve here in Teng yesterday and I, I applied a filter to it and it made the bird look like it was standing in rippled water oh nice uh, very impressive stuff you can do with this little app it's been around for quite a while um, but i've just come across it it's android only and it's called mirror lab um well worth checking out if you're into your photography yeah they look like there's some really cool like digital features that just turn your photograph into mm. whether it's a fractal pattern or whether it's just taking a piece and enhancing it it's really yeah. cool yeah so that's uh, that's pretty cool and i think that's our show um just a reminder that i've started a new show called the called rock central where we focus on where well, i play some great rock music. We've um, done five episodes now. So uh, we first three were focused on different styles of rock from the 1980s, then did modern progressive rock, and then the most recent one, uh, which went live uh, last night, Saturday night, um, recorded uh, 1970s progressive rock. Uh, so if rock music's your thing, check out Rock Central. It's available in all major podcatchers. And uh, we also now play out with a song pick each week. And it's my turn this week. What was your pick last week, Richard? I've forgotten. The Fabulous Thunderbirds. Remember that beautiful song? Yes, Fabulous Thunderbirds. Great, yeah. great band name, yeah. Um, but um, I want to be playing out with a, a great pop rock song from the 1980s today by Genesis. It's a track mm. called Land of Confusion, which seems kind of apt with what's going on in the world today. Uh, <laughs> but before we play Genesis, let's do our quiz. The first question, F&B announced this week that its clients can use which two companies' smartwatches to tap and pay at the point of sale? 
Oh, I've got to give you the answer too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's Garmin and Fitbit. <laughs> Second question. MTN has reportedly been forced to dial back plans to route fiber to, fiber to the home in which country? And the answer there is Iran because of uncertainty created by the planned reimposition of UN sanctions. U.S. sanctions. U.S. sanctions. Sorry. Uh, Julian, Julian Assange is reportedly getting ready to leave the Equatorian Embassy in London. How many years has he been holed up there? And that is six years. What a long time to be in one place. Eh? Yeah, he must, he must be have serious cabin fever. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Fourth question. Apple this week became the first U.S. company in, with market value of $1 trillion. But it's not the first company in the world to reach this milestone. Which company got there first? And the answer there is PetroChina all the way back in 2007. And the last question in this week's quiz. Huawei has overtaken Apple to be the world's second largest supplier of smartphones. Samsung is still in first place, but who occupies fourth and fifth places, respectively, according to the IDC? And the answer there is Xiaomi and Oppo, both Chinese brands. Have you ever seen an Oppo phone? I've I've seen photographs online. Yeah, I mean, it, have you uh, ever seen one? Uh, they're no, not I physically hold one, yeah. but they are available in South Africa, aren't they? Are they? I don't know. I've seen some guys with them. Mm, okay, interesting. I'm not sure. If they're not here, they'll be here soon. I'm sure. The fifth largest smartphone maker in the world. Remarkable. Remember, you can uh, reach us on the show. Our WhatsApp number is 071-999-1111. We'd love to hear from you, so please do drop us a voice note, and we may include it on a future show. But we're playing out today with, uh, with Genesis, and this is a track called Land of Confusion.